you're about to listen to the first ever episode of SMA My Way. Accessibility is important to us, so if you would like to listen along with subtitles, you can follow the link to our YouTube version in the episode description. There, you will also find the link to the episode transcript. Hi everyone, and a huge welcome to our very first episode of SMA in My Way. I'm Carly Drew. I'm a disability-focused writer, creator, consultant, and activist based in Canada. This is a series made by people living with SMA, but honestly, it's a series for everyone. We'll be impacting big themes that affect us all, with or without SMA. Things like love, laughter, determination, and hope. Along the way, we'll be talking to some amazing guests about careers, business, and entrepreneurship, dating, music, science, and so much more. And, of course, we'll also be lifting the lid on what it's like to live with SMA. I was first diagnosed in the 90s, so there wasn't a lot of information or support available at the time. Back then, there wasn't a blood test available for diagnosis, so I was diagnosed by process of elimination and a muscle biopsy. My parents were very explicitly told to take me home and keep me comfortable. They were told to take me in once I stopped breathing in a very matter-of-fact way and not really provided with any resources for living. If you're already involved in the SMA community or a curious person outside of it and interested in seeing the world from new perspectives, then stay with us and stay tuned. All of the people I meet in the SMA community are wonderfully individual and multidimensional in their own ways. Which is why I'm really excited to introduce you to Louise, Martin, and Pia, who never fail to impress me, surprise me, make me laugh, and make me think about things in a new way. Today, to give you a feel of what you can expect, I asked everyone a few questions about their lives, philosophies, and passions. Let's start at the beginning. Louise, so how does SMA affect your day-to-day life? Yeah, I guess I do what most people do. I get out of bed, I have something to eat, and I do everything about do what I want to do, but everything takes, takes a longer time. And even even smaller everyday things are just more time consuming and always making the work schedule, having a better plan if an assistant calls in sick, vacation time, and stuff like that, making sure I have my my wheels here and it's working and all of my availability aids and all the stuff I need. It takes a lot of time. But apart from it all being very, very time consuming, it's, I think my life is pretty much like regular one else. Yeah, 
yeah, we have a lot to consider with the little things day to day. Independence is a funny concept to me. We all act like it's a clear and attainable thing. When the truth is, everyone is actually interdependent, disabled or not. So for me, I value my independence as it relates to my autonomy to make my own decisions, however big or small. Independence is complex when you have that SMA. It's amazing to hear that Tia is witnessing a shift in her daughter, Peppy, as she progresses into her teens. Peppy has become more independent recently. She's now 15 and, and she's taking uh, more responsibilities of her own health and things that are related to that. I think that she's being very responsible responsible always, but um, now she's also uh, helping me to, to take care of all these little daily matters, like we need to order a taxi and we need to figure out the dates for her physiotherapy and uh, we need to make sure that she has assistant uh, available and all these kind of things. When I was a teenager with SMA, it was difficult to balance normal school and social and all that with the nuances of having SMA. And then I turned 18. My transition into adulthood didn't go as I expected. No one really warned me or my parents that the services would change so drastically when I turned 18. So for a lot of years, I sort of fell through the cracks. There wasn't a streamlined process to get me into specialized doctors after aging out of the pediatric system. Even now, social programs for adults with SMA and other neuromuscular disorders She's doing really well well at school. She's actually mastering five different languages now. She's speaking Finnish as her mother language, and then she's learning uh, English, Russian, Swedish, uh, and French at school. And now for two years, she's been doing Duolingo for Spanish, so she's becoming quite fluent in that too. So she's really talented in languages. I'm proud of the way she is. she's handling her school. And it's not only that she's doing well in, in this academic um, stuff, but she's also really active in, in like school board and she's participating in school plays. And she held a speech last year for the entire school and all the parents. And, and she was talking about independence and like everybody was literally crying there when when she was giving that speech it was really touching and i was so proud of her and then uh, of course she wants to hang out with her friends she likes to follow up the trends and and go shopping and go to movies and maybe go and have a nice sushi meal with her friends so that's what i think that it's pretty normal life of any 15 years old wow Five languages at the age of 15 is so impressive. And then on top of that, to be a powerful public speaker, actor, and academic superstar. I think this series will be a great way for people to see how wonderfully diverse and individual we are as a community. 
There are so many misconceptions about SMA and disability that I actively try to counter. It'd be impossible for me to go through all of them in a single episode. But I guess the most basic misconception is the belief that we are a certain way with identical thoughts and feelings and opinions, when the truth is that we, like everyone else on the planet, have widely varying personalities, including our interests. I also think we're often put on a pedestal and expected to always behave or feel a specific way. But we have good days and bad days like everybody else. Spoiler alert, we're human. I think the thing that surprises most people is that I live in my own house, that I have my assistance, so I'm, I'm able to live on my own, and that I have a degree from, from a university, and that, yeah, I can travel, I can go out and have fun, do anything that, yeah, my non-disabled friends are doing as well. That SMA isn't the big limit that, that a lot of people think of it. I think a lot of people think we can succeed in spite of disability, but that's just not how it is. We can succeed or we don't succeed, and both is okay and doesn't necessarily relate to disability or SMA. As well as being a successful entrepreneur, Martin is an avid traveler like Louise. Martin, if you could teleport to any place, where would it be? I reckon the first place I'd go to teleport place, because there's so many places, would be Barcelona. Um, I've always had a real love of Spanish culture and language. I just love being immersed in Spanish culture. And also Barcelona particularly, is really, really accessible. So it's somewhere around 80-90% of the metro is wheelchair accessible, which compared to London, where I've lived for a while, is about one third of the stations are accessible. So there's a really a feeling of freedom getting around the city. And then you've got the city, you've got the beach and the sea, and you've got the mountains not far away. So it really does have everything. I have not been to Barcelona, and I didn't know that it was so accessible. That's really awesome. <laughs> I think I would teleport anywhere with an accessible boardwalk and less mosquitoes. This year has been so bad. Martin has traveled all over Europe as well as two countries further from his homeland, the UK, including Australia, US, Mexico, Egypt, and Japan. For many years, he was a travel blogger writing about accessible tourism, and he's featured in popular media like BBC Breakfast. Let's hear what he does nowadays with his marketing agency. So in April 2020, in the, the first lockdown, I co-founded an influencer marketing agency specializing around disability inclusion. And yeah, through those three years, it's been quite a wild ride, um, picking up lots of global clients, um, working with amazing influencers and growing a team within the agency and really, I suppose, learning about becoming a leader and becoming a CEO. So it's been fascinating. It's been difficult, but it's been very rewarding. 
And then at the same time, the brands that we work with that are now clients, they've been on a massive journey themselves. And really our sales process is a lot about educating. So most people come to that first interaction very unaware of how many disabled people there are, the kind of barriers. So we have to explain about the environmental barriers, the attitudinal barriers, the, the procedural barriers that inverted commas disabled people. So for my life, my career, the vision is an inclusive world. It's a world without barriers. It's a world someone born with any kind of disability um, separate to any part of the medical condition is able to fully participate in the world. So that's my North Star, really. Martin, you are changing the world for the disabled community. And I am absolutely with you. That is what I would like to see as well. And I believe it is achievable and that it would benefit everybody, not just disabled people, even things like grants help people who need to push strollers into buildings. It's not limited to us. A barrier-free society is important for every single one of us involved in this podcast. It's at the heart of this series and a lot of what we do as individuals. We all advocate in different ways. Let's hear from Louise, who also uses social media to speak her truth. I have my, my Instagram profile, and I, I created that because I felt when I was growing up that I, I didn't see myself represented in the media. It was like, Everything you saw was perfect bodies and models. So I, I decided to, to make my own profile and, and share what life can be like as an adult as a mate. Representation, or rather authentic representation, is so important for the disability community. I personally feel it's especially important for disabled kids to see people like themselves in various forms of media, that sense of belonging, it has such a profound impact on a person and really can inspire you. Also, bad representation is indescribably harmful. And if you check out Louise's profile, you will also see that she's incredibly fashionable. Louise, why is fashion important to you? I think fashion is a great way for me to to draw attention to me as a person instead of my my wheelchair. I'm not able to drive into a room without getting noticed. And instead of people noticing my wheelchair, I would rather that they notice the outfit I'm wearing. Fashion and other means of style can really be used to express themselves and our unique personalities. Like, people are going to make their judgments about you based on your experience, no matter what you do. So you might as well do what makes you happy. I also think it can be used as a means of finding other people to connect with. At the same time, I think it's it's difficult because when I look at the magazines or commercial and I see a beautiful dress or jacket or whatever, it's very different when you're standing 
as opposed to when you're sitting around, you know, in a two-year-old yeah. Especially when you're becoming better and through my, my Instagram profile, I also have the chance of uh, collaborating with a big brand or a big, a big company who really wants to, to be more a disability friendly. They don't have a lot of wheelchair models, but they have some now. And I think that's really great. And they also have different uh, search criteria so that you can search for accessible outfits. And so there's still a long way to go, but something is happening and, and that's really great. I totally agree with you, Louise. It's such an important thing to consider. And I hope that more brands consider this when making clothing in the future. I know for me, online communities have been particularly useful since the pandemic. What's your experience been like, Louise? Yeah, I think it's really powerful that, that I'm able to connect with other disabled people. Uh, it's a maze, it's a rare disease. So I don't know whether it's a rare patient in person. And so being able to connect with other people with SMA from all around the world is, is really amazing and it makes me feel less alone. And also just being, being able to, to be what I needed myself when I was, when I was growing up. That's also a, a powerful feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I think having a community, in this case, the SMA community, is really vital to minimize feelings of isolation, but it can be hard, as TI explains. We don't have that many friends. I think that if people don't know us that well, they are afraid that, like, is our apartment, is it okay, that can she come in with a wheelchair, and is it accessible enough, or, like... We have this one step that leads to house, so perhaps we shouldn't invite them. So these are the kind of things that I think that many people are making decisions on our behalf because they're kind of afraid that they would then look somehow foolish that they invited somebody who is not able to get in. I'm not sure if, if that's something that I've been thinking, but I think that people are worried that they don't know how to deal with us sometimes. I feel like I've had a very similar experience, and I think my parents would agree um, that people think it's better to just stay away or not invite us if we wouldn't be able to go. But I only think it's better to at least extend that offer and maybe um, offer solutions, like whether it's having it at a different location or, say, will build around or anything like that and make such a difference and it might be the smallest little thing that makes a huge difference on how we feel. Perhaps the reason why I'm with this whole SMA My Way program because I want to talk about things because I know that the more we know, the less we guess and the less we guess, it's always good. SMA in my way started as a platform for people with SMA to share their approach to living and embracing life. 
throughout this podcast, we are excited to dive deeper with enlightening conversations that shed new light, challenge, and bring in new perspectives. We hope you join us on this journey of discovery. At the heart of us and in my way is the belief that one person's experience might be the spark that inspires another. And there are so many exciting things already out in it with this and made my way across the world. In the U.S. and Canada, there's even been an SMA fashion show and song. You can find more at global.smamyway.com. Things can and do get serious with SMA, but it shapes us all in ways we didn't expect. So we're excited to bring our perspectives, our inspirations and aspirations, our questions and conundrums to the brilliant SMA community and to the wider world. We'll be releasing our episodes every few weeks, so make sure to like and subscribe so you get notified when new episodes hit your favorite streaming platform. Big thanks to our sponsor, Rush, for helping us to make this happen. Thanks for listening. See you again soon.